Romans 12, 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. And today is going to be a day of rejoicing as we get the opportunity to share in the baptism of six of our brothers and sisters in the Lord today. And so I want you to put on a mindset of rejoicing because they have passed from old life to new life. And we get to celebrate with that with them. A lot of times it's been done on Sunday night, I know that, but this morning, this time we wanted to do it on a Sunday morning to give the, uh, more of our family to have an opportunity to rejoice with them. We also have the opportunity to rejoice this morning, church. I don't know how many of you saw, but uh, one of our brothers in the Lord, Pastor uh, Brunson, got released from a jail in Turkey. He'd been held for two years, and this week he was, he was let go. And, and uh, you know, I had an opportunity to watch the news and see him laying his hands on our president in the Oval Office and praying out loud that the Holy Spirit would guide him and guide this nation. That's not a political statement. That is a statement that many believers have been praying for for many, many years, that God himself would lead our nation. And we saw that. So I think we should, we should rejoice in that this morning. If you have your Bibles, if you want to, have you, have, does everyone have an outline of the sermon this morning? If you do not, raise your hand, and I'll be sure you get one. Brother Steve, Steve's going to pass them out. So why is baptism important? Why do we do it? If you take, take if, once you get your outline, if you look at the introduction, it says water baptism is one of the two ordinances of the church. Last week we celebrated the first ordinance, which was communion. And there's been times when I've had the opportunity to administer communion that I've told you that I have such a sense of unity amongst the body of Christ when we take communion. I watch people come up of different races, of different socioeconomic statuses, and none of that matters at the foot of the cross. We're all equal there. We're all in need at the foot of the cross. And there's always a sense of unity in the body of Christ when we do communion. And this morning we get to celebrate that second ordinance of the church, which is water baptism. Water baptism does not save you. The salvation experience is a supernatural experience within the heart. Salvation is when an individual recognizes their sinfulness before a perfect holy God. And there is a God. And he is perfect and he is holy. And we are completely separated him, from him by what the Bible says sin. And as, uh, as, a, as the human heart begins to be drawn by the Holy Spirit, we call it the conviction. I felt it. It's not a great feeling. But it's a wonderful feeling to submit to it. When I recognize where I am and there's only one way that that relationship can be restored and that's coming and recognizing that I'm a sinner. And there's only one answer for that. And it's Jesus and the work he did on that cross and his resurrection. And when you truly do that, when you really come to the Lord and that, and that's that hard experience happens, the Bible says that that relationship that's been broken between you and a holy God is restored through Christ Jesus. That's the salvation experience. And it's followed with the baptism. It is followed with a water baptism. It is an outward expression of an inward experience and change. I like to refer to it as an outward initiation into the family of God. And there are many instances in the scripture where Jesus and the early apostles commanded us to be baptized. Before I get into the sermon, I want to pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your presence that's here. I thank you for what we've come to do today. And Lord, that is baptize some of our brothers and sisters in the Lord. We thank you that your Holy Spirit's still moving. It's still convicting. It's still drawing people to yourself. 
And Lord, I ask for your anointing. I ask God that my words won't be mine, but they'll be yours. And I pray, Lord, that if there's one here today that, that does not know you, has not experienced what it is to come into right relationship with you, that today, today, Lord, right where they sit, they'll do as Peter said, and they will repent and be baptized. In Jesus' name, amen. So why, why be baptized? Look at number one on your page. Jesus himself was baptized. Matthew 3.15. I need to set this up for you. Jesus is just beginning his public ministry. He's coming down. John, John the Baptist is baptizing. John the Baptist has come in and preaching now repentance to turn away from your sin. And Jesus is about to begin his public ministry. He comes down to where John is baptizing. And he comes up and he says he wants John to baptize him. And John, as you can imagine, John recognizes who Jesus is. In one, in one, tra- in one uh, book it says, John looks at him and says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So John recognized who Jesus was. And he says, Whoa, whoa, Lord, I, I sh- you should be baptizing me. I shouldn't be baptizing you. And this is what Jesus said in 3.15. Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so. Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. It was, Jesus said, let's do this to fulfill all righteousness. The word righteous means to do what's right. So if Jesus thought it was right to be baptized, if he said to John the Baptist, this is what's right. If it was right for Jesus, it certainly has to be right for us. He's the one who we follow. He's the one that we want to be like. He has set the perfect example for us. And he set that example in baptism. And some of our folks that are being baptized today are somewhat new in the Lord. So I want to offer this piece of advice. And it's not just for those who are new in the Lord. I think it's for all of us. It said that Jesus did this to show obedience. He did this to show he was obedient. And I want to say this, that much of what you do in your walk with the Lord will be out of obedience. It's going to be out of simple obedience. I wish I could tell you that all the times you're going to feel like doing things, you're going to feel like serving, you're going to feel like witnessing, you're going to feel like giving your money, and all the other things that that God leads us to as we begin to follow Him, but you won't. There will be times in your flesh that you won't. You do it simply out of simple obedience. And there'll be some things that you won't do anymore that maybe your flesh wants to do and you'll say, I can't do those things out of obedience. Much, much of the Christian walk is obedience, guided by the Holy Spirit. Oswald Chambers said this, he said, the best measure of a spiritual life is not its ecstasies, but its obedience. There are times that the walk with the Lord is ecstatic. There are times that you, that you just feel so full of the Lord, you can't wait to share it with someone. That you realize the benefit of what it means to, to be obedient with Him in finances. And you start to experience the benefits of those things. And joy follows it. But I will tell you, and I think you talk to someone who's been serving the Lord a long, long time, they'll tell you that sometimes it's just simple obedience. It's simple doing what God has commanded us to do. He showed support for what John was doing. He went down to John. John's baptizing. Jesus wanted to be baptized. He showed that what John was doing was good. He was baptizing folks. And if it was good then, it's good now. He was beginning his public ministry. Jesus had been alive on the earth approximately 30 years when he started his public ministry. And he went down to be baptized by John. 
knowing that then he was going to set on a path to do what he really came to do, and that is show the world the heart of, the heart of God, his Father, and then to show us how to live, how to treat people, and then ultimately go to a cross and be crucified, to be buried, and to rise again for our salvation. And lastly, he was identifying with the penitent people of God, not the Pharisees. The Pharisees were a group of self-righteous people. They had it all together. They didn't need anything. They had the direct path to God, and they put so much heavy burden rules on the people, they couldn't follow them. And the Pharisees, quite frankly, didn't follow them themselves. And they had been very critical of John already. They had come down to watch what John was doing because they were the religious. Let's see what this man is doing. And John looked at him and called him a brood of vipers. And here comes Jesus. And he didn't identify with those self-righteous. He still doesn't identify with the self-righteous. He identifies with the lowly. He's close to the brokenhearted. And he identified with those people who were coming down and saying, I can't do this on my own. And he identified with them and not with the self-righteous. Number two, baptism identifies the believer with Christ in three things. Identifies the believer with Christ in three things. Look at Romans 6, 3 through 4. This is Paul. He's written a letter to the church of Rome. Much, much of the scriptures that will follow will be from the apostle Paul. He's dealing with many people who are still trying to say there's works. You've got to keep laws. You've got to do all these things to be right with God. And Paul deals with that many, many, many times throughout his books. And that's what he's doing here. And he said, Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. The Apostle Paul is saying that we identify with Christ in three areas when we're baptized. First, we identify with Christ in his death. Not in his physical death, but what we're saying is we're putting this old man to death. We don't no longer recognize the sin man that was in us before. We recognize spiritually we have died a spiritual death and rising in new life. Look at Galatians 2 and 20. Paul writing to the church in the, in the area of Galatia said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You're still living a life in the flesh. But it's not only I who live, now I live for Christ. It's Christ who lives in us. And we're recognizing that. We're saying, I've been crucified. My old man has been crucified with Christ. We recognize him in his burial, leaving the old nature in the water. For those of you who are being baptized this morning, I want you, when you come up and get into this water, and I have some testimonies to read from some of these folks, and I've done read them, and I, quite frankly, I believe I could just read the testimonies and then we could baptize because they are powerful. But I want you to recognize something, that when you go into that water in death and you come up, your past is gone. The Bible says that once we come to the Lord, the old is gone. But we like to carry it around. And Satan will keep it in front of your face. And sometimes your old friends who haven't been saved, they'll keep it in front of your face. Sometimes church people, if we're not careful, we keep it in front of people's face. But when we come to the Lord, it's gone. 
And I want to challenge you to leave it right there in that water. When, when, when Brother Dan and Brother Michael set you down in that water, whatever it is that's in your mind that's bothered you, regrets, we've all got them, leave them in the water. You don't have to take them back out of there with you anymore. Christ has given you a new beginning. Three areas I, I particularly want you to understand that as we recognize ourselves in his burial and his resurrection that we have a new view of things. First, we have a new view of Christ. We live in a world today that their view of Christ for the most part is still the babe in the manger. And they recognize him a little bit on Christmas along with Santa Claus and all the other things that go with a traditional Christmas in the United States. Or they may even recognize him on Easter and they see him maybe as a suffering uh, savior but they also incorporate that with things like Easter eggs and bunnies and things of that nature. But when you really have that salvation experience, when you really come to him, when you're really crucified and buried in him and rise to new life and start on a journey with him, you start to see Christ for who he really is. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, king of kings and lord of lords. And your life begins to center around who he is. And he begins to work on you. And your whole view of who he is changes and what he's done for you. You start to see a new view of people. You start to have a new view of people. Your brothers and sisters, your physical brothers and sisters, your family, your co-workers, particularly those who are lost. You want them to come to a saving knowledge of the Lord. And you, your view of people, you, have, you become more empathetic towards people as you grow in your relationship with Christ. And last, your brothers and sisters in Christ. You begin to have a new view of the church. It's very popular to be critical of the church today, but it is still the bride that Christ is returning for. It is still the brothers and sisters in the Lord that we lean on to help us walk through this journey. And we, don't, we get a new view. We don't become critical anymore. We let the whole critical stuff stay back and understand that we need each other, that Christ created us to walk this out with him through each other. New views, new views of Christ, new views of people, and new views of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And lastly, you identify with, with his resurrection. It declares death to the old life and birth to the new. Colossians 3, 1 through 3. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting, at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. As you're raised, we start to set our mind on heavenly things. Our minds not, and our lives are not totally preoccupied with earthly things. You know people whose minds are totally preoccupied with earthly things. You work with them sometimes. Some of your family, you see it in them. But as you become resurrected, as you start on your new life, your mind starts to become preoccupied with heavenly things. Church, I wish I could tell you that all this happens instantaneously. The walk with the Lord is a journey. And there's going to be some times it's not going to be easy. There's going to be some times it's going to be a struggle. There's going to be some times it's going to feel like a crawl. But he works on us. He's still working on me. He's brought me a long way over the last few years. And he's still got some attitudes and some thoughts and some things that he still works on me. But I'm his. And he's still working on me. And I recognize him and I identify with him in his death and his burial and in his resurrection. It unites the believer to the local body of believers. 
It shows unity in the church. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 13. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many as one body, so also in Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. I said I have that sense of unity when we do communion. Well, this morning we'll have that same sense of community as they come up and be baptized. See, when we come to the Lord, whether it's in communion, when we come to Him and and submit our will to Him, there's no more black, white, Hispanic, male, female, all those things in the spiritual world. We're all the same. We're all unified in the body of Christ. And we're going to need that more and more as the days get darker and darker. We're going to need to be unified more and more as the days get darker and darker. And they're going to. And we have to set aside some of our petty differences, have to set aside some of our political differences, have to set aside some of these things that you see so many people, even on social media, arguing about that don't really matter and become unified in the body of Christ. And that's why it's important that we do this on a Sunday morning and join with our brothers and sisters that are going to do this this morning. And let them know and rejoice with them and let them know that we're glad of what they've done and that we've done it. I've been baptized. I was baptized as a young man in the Eno River. I got baptized in the river. And then last year I was baptized in the Jordan. And we had a chance to go to Israel and I got baptized in the Jordan. And I wanted to be baptized again. I wanted to be baptized again. And I'm going to give you the opportunity this morning to be baptized again. As I'm speaking this morning, if you know the Lord's dealing with you, maybe, maybe you've been separated for a while. Maybe you have been. I was. And as we start to receive people for baptism and you want to be baptized again, you know God's dealing with you. Come get baptized. Come get baptized. Second, it was practiced by the early church. Look at Acts 2 and 38. Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the Holy Spirit. Pentecost, the Holy Spirit's just been poured out. The early church is just getting started. Peter is preaching his heart out to thousands of people in this passage here. And what he says to them is the same thing that's true for us today. Repent. Turn away from your sin. Recognize that you're a sinner. Come before a holy God. Tell Christ, I I need you in my life. I want to follow you in my life. And then be baptized. That's the same thing he told that early church. That same thing is true for us today. And then a couple verses down in verse 41, he says, And those who gladly received his word were baptized. They were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Now, I don't know how that baptismal went. It probably was even less formal than ours is, but I'm sure that they want people that have... And we, listen, we give people plenty of time. We want you to bring your clothes. We want you to be able to change. But somehow, some way, I bet when 3,000 people were being baptized, they weren't worried about whether the clothes got wet or not. They were worried about their, their souls. And this morning, if God deals with you, don't worry about whether your clothes are going to get wet or not. we got plenty of towels. Repent and be baptized. 
Lastly, it confirms you as the part of the family of God. When Jesus came down to be baptized by John the Baptist, in Matthew 3.17, it says this, once he was baptized, when he come up, it said this, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then if you look at John 1 and 12, it says this, but as many as received him, this is Christ, as many, when you come and receive him, to them he gave the right, and to you, if you've received Christ, he's given the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. And one thing I want those who maybe come to the Lord new to know is this. When Jesus came up out of that water, he said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. You've come to the Lord now. He's given you the right to be called the son and the daughter of God. And he's pleased with you. And if you don't get that right in your mind, if you always see God as something you can never please, and I share this with you out of experience because I, it took me a while to get here. I never felt like I was good enough spiritually. I always felt like that God was up there. And every time I messed up, every time I had a sin in my life, every time I failed, that God was just stepped away. He was done with me. And, and that will make you a spiritual nut. You're never good enough. And that is Satan telling you you're never, ever good enough. Let me tell you something. In God's eyes, you're always good enough. Once you've come to him and accepted his son, you're always good enough. And don't let people tell you otherwise. Now, he loves you too much to leave you where you are. And if your life's steeped in sin, he's going to deal with you. He's going to convict you. He may even discipline you. But just like we do as earthly fathers, and too many times we, get a, we, we try to view God as how we, the relationship we had with our earthly father. And even if we had a wonderful earthly father, there's no way that he can compare to a heavenly father whose love is perfect, his, his discipline is perfect, his ways are perfect, and he deals with his children perfectly. But he does not just, it's, it's not a he loves me now, he, he loves me not, he loves me, he loves me not, he's pleased, he's pleased not. He, no, that's not it. You've come to him in faith, and he's got you. He's got you. You know, Jesus said, my sheep hear, hear my voice, and they know me, and I know them. And no one can pluck them from my hand. When you come to him in faith, and I mean really, see, I, these things are, are matters of the heart. The salvation experience is a supernatural change of the spirit man that we don't get to see with our natural eyes. We see the fruit. We see changed lives. We see people who start to do things they didn't do and quit doing things they used to do, and that's a journey. That's, that's called the sanctification process. That's simply our character catching up with our position. Our position in Christ will never be any more than what it is when you come to Him. You're positioned in Him. And many of these scriptures where Paul was talking to the early church, that's what he said. If you're in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, you'll never be any more in Him than you are now. But your character will change. Your desires will change. The things you do will change. The things you don't do will change. And it's a process. It's a process. But you have a Heavenly Father who loves you. And He's pleased with you. And He's setting you on a course to do wonderful things for Him until He calls you off this earth and you spend eternity where He is. And that day's coming. That day is coming. I have a little... Uh, paragraph at the bottom of your page if you'll look at that with me it says this 
It says, in baptism, we express that we have been initiated, crowned, chosen, embraced, washed, adopted, gifted, reborn, and thereby sent forth and redeemed. We are identified as one of God's own, then assigned our place and our job within the kingdom of God. Baptism is important. If you're here today, you've, you've accepted the Lord, you've never been baptized, you didn't sign up for baptism, I would encourage you to do it today. Or set on a path, let, let myself know, or the pastor know, or Brother Michael or someone know, I need to be baptized, and we'll get a service, we'll get you baptized. We will get you baptized, and you can do it today if you would like. I'm going to ask if everyone here will bow your head and just close your eyes for a moment. I want to ask you something. Where do you stand? Where do you stand in light of your relationship with Christ? Where do you stand in light of eternity? If God were to call you today, I've had a chance in the last several months to go out on some, some situations where people's lives ended abruptly, just like that. They weren't old. They didn't, they didn't die of disease. They were young people. And a circumstance happened, and in a moment's notice, they stepped into eternity. If that were to happen to you today, where will you spend eternity? There's only one of two places. You, st you spend eternity in heaven because you've put your faith in Christ to take you there, or you spend eternity in hell in a place forever separated from him because you rejected him. And if at any point during this service, including now, if you feel the Spirit of God pricking your heart, saying it's time, it's time, it's time. Don't push it away. Don't push it away. Right where you are in your seat, you can ask the Lord to forgive you for your sin. Tell him you want to restore that relationship that's been broken, and you want to accept the finished work of the cross. Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you, God, that you led the way for us in baptism. God, and I thank you, you give us the opportunity to come and identify ourselves with you. The reality of it is we identify ourselves with something. We either identify ourselves with our parents, we identify ourselves in our careers, we identify ourselves in our social status, we identify ourselves in all sorts of things. But this morning, Lord, we have six who have come to identify themselves in you. They've come to identify themselves in your death, in your burial, and in your resurrection. And we thank you for their obedience, and we ask, Lord, that if there's any out here, God, that your spirit's dealing with, that they will come, that you will draw them to your side, and that they, Lord, will submit their will to yours. Lord, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.